You're listening to Crossings Conversations from Church Divinity School of the Pacific, a show about leaders creating Christian community and sharing God's love. This is Kyle Oliver from Church Divinity School of the Pacific, and I am here with Weston Morris, a first-year MDiv student at CDSP and co-founder of Welcoming Everybody. Weston, welcome. Thank you for having me, Kyle. To start things off, the floor is kind of yours. I'd love to just uh, hear a bit about about your story and about your journey, however you'd like to uh, share that with us. This is completely non-scripted, but... um... As Kyle said, my name is Weston. I use he, him, or they, them pronouns. Um, I um, just moved to the Bay uh, this summer in preparation for coming to CDSP for my MDiv. Um, Before that, I was in Denver, Colorado for a few years um, doing the Episcopal Service Corps. So I'm actually an alum of the Episcopal Service Corps for two years. And before that, I came from North Carolina, um, where I grew up and went to college and had most of my uh, really big Episcopal formation in the church in North Carolina. Um, Let me see. I am really interested in uh, welcoming everybody into the church. One of my passions, um, I'm, I'm a transgender man. So I transitioned when I uh, was in college and um, didn't really feel like there was a place for me as a trans person in the church. Um, I didn't have any role models. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of faith <laughs> that <laughs> the church was going to be ready for me, even if I was technically ready for it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I experienced a lot of, I would say, um, turmoil <laughs> over that. Uh, and eventually, came to the conclusion that I don't get to choose what I'm called to. (laughs) Um, So I'm actually a postulant for holy orders now out of the Diocese of North Carolina. Um, In the last few years, I've done a lot of work in the disability justice world, um, really trying to engage with the disabled community in a way that is meaningful and not ableist, which is really hard in the church because we don't really talk about ableism. Um, there's There are lots and lots of things in scripture that are kind of problematic when it comes to the way that we talk about disability and embodiment. So um, there's a lot to go on from there, but I am really passionate about us living into the embodiment that we're given um, by God through being alive um, and making the most of whatever that reality is and removing barriers for um, people's engagement regardless of body. Um, And I think 
my trans identity is really important to my understanding of that because the intersection, the way that bodies um, interact with the world um, mm -hmm. says a whole lot about who we can be and our theology. And um, that was a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you. No, it was um, a really rich way to uh, to start our conversation. Um, in uh, in thinking about where we might go from here, um, I wonder if we could talk about some of. Uh, I guess for starters, if we could talk more about uh, welcoming everybody. So you, um, yeah. Did I did I get the, um, the 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 pronunciation of the organization yes. right? As it were, yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, uh, so, so you talked about your, your passion for this work, and I'm curious to hear more about, um, how your organization got started and the kinds of ways that you help, uh, equip, um, well, who, who, who you help equip and, and how, um, in, in that very, uh, in that very task. Um, I think it's a great question. I officially started welcoming everybody with, um, a priest friend of mine in Denver named Tori. Um, and I think that both of us had been doing the work of welcoming everybody for quite a while before we officially started the organization. Um, but really, it, we got together about month three of COVID and I was finishing out my second year in the Episcopal Service Corps and wasn't really sure what direction I was going to go in after that. And COVID was making things really unclear. And um, I knew that I still wanted to do stuff in the church and I knew where my passion was. And I knew that um, I had built up a lot of skills of advocacy and also education when it comes to identity. Um, and we sat down and we decided that we would start to try to engage with local communities in Colorado around the uh, issue of inclusion of trans identities in churches. Because I think the Episcopal Church does a really um, a better reputation, you might say, than other a lot of other denominations when it comes to LGB inclusion mm -hmm. and like talking about the welcoming of um, gay and lesbian people into our congregations. Um, and in my experience, that doesn't translate really to. Mm -hmm. um, the welcoming of trans people, the experience is vastly different. Mm. Being like coming out as queer is very different than coming out as trans and the theology around gender and, and sexuality, they're fluid and they play on one another, but it is just a really different lived experience to be trans in church. Mm. Um, and so we notice that there are a lot of congregations in Colorado specifically that were interested in this topic because um, if you'll talk to pretty much any youth minister, they have trans youth in their youth groups or gender queer questioning 
gender fluid people. And um, it's just a really important topic right now because mm-hmm. it, it's just getting like, it's getting a lot more airtime. Um, and so we said we have this expertise and knowledge and there seems to be a desire and a need uh, to support congregations in working through their own process of understanding what to, what being trans means and what being trans in church means and what being inclusive of trans people in church is all about and how you can do that in a actually um, in a way that is done well, that doesn't make trans people feel additionally marginalized or um, called out or uncomfortable in any way. So what is it um, when you come alongside a congregation uh, who is perhaps beginning this work, perhaps continuing this work, um, might feel... Um, I, I'm 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 using my imagination here, so f- fill in if I'm getting this wrong. Per, uh, perhaps has good intentions, but not necessarily a lot of expertise about how to proceed. <laughs> um, how do you um, how do you come alongside that congregation, and um, and what does the uh, what does the, what do those sort of educative processes um, look like? We've learned a lot about this. <laughs> not every congregation is the same. Um, so you can't, we would like to start in the same place every time, but the reality is we can't. Um, so it really depends on the congregation. But if we're starting from step one, we start with the concept of identity in general. So um, it is mind-blowing to people that they have a gender identity. Even if they don't know that they have one, they have one. And that's honestly where we have to begin a lot of the time um, is just the basics of what is gender? Who has gender? The answer is everyone. How does that change your world? Um, And starting with the individual so they can have a little bit of a concept of this is where this person is coming from to this conversation so that they, they, they can have a little bit more empathy with the people in the room who have been discussing this in their brains for years. Um, yeah. And so that's a place to begin. We also do for congregations that are a little bit farther in this discussion um, who may have had some Uh, identity training in the past or talk about um, LGBT issues in general, um, we may be able to just go straight into what it means to be trans and the diversity of gender identities and how that differs from sexual orientation and um or sexual identity i should say there's it's it's important that we use the term sexual identity and not orientation um there there are so many directions that that can go um for example one congregation may be super interested in knowing the theology of 
trans inclusion? Like how, like how do we discuss trans theology and gender in general when it comes to biblical topics? It does tend to be a really vulnerable space for people because mm. if you imagine the standard Episcopal congregant who's maybe we're going to say 60 um, and is a cis person, has been in straight relationships their whole life, is white, is not really thinking about identity. For somebody to come in and say you have this and think about how that has changed your life and what things in your life would be different if your gender was different, that can be a really, really hard place to be um, for people for the first time. And um, so it's really important that the space be set up in a way that is uh, non-judgmental and um, seeks to be open and also honest. Um, mm. I think being real people in the room is very important too. Mm. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess there's a couple directions we could go uh, from here, um, but um, I wanted to ask you if you're if you're willing uh, to talk a little bit about Crip Camp because that was sure. uh, um, how uh, the, the, that 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 was how the person who got us connected, um, you know, sort of introduced yeah. you and your ministry and your work and um so a, a shift i think from uh from the from the gender identity side of the conversation to the disability justice side of the conversation yeah. um can you tell us a little bit what, what is crip camp and uh, and how have you been involved <sighs> so crip camp <laughs> if you're not aware um is a documentary um, by two wonderful people. Um, Jim Lebrecht is one of the co-directors and Nicole Noonan is the other. Um, essentially, so Jim uh, is a disabled person. He um, has spina bifida. He's been disabled his whole life. Um, and when he was young, he went to a camp in upstate New York um, that was pretty radical and revolutionary. Um, it was a camp for disabled kids and where they got to be exactly themselves. And mm -hmm. he remembered at this camp, they had a, I'm gonna pause and back up because the story is not in, in line. So I'm just gonna pause. So Jim goes to this camp and meets all of these people um, with all different kinds of disabilities and got to interact with other disabled people for the first time. And what was magical about it is that um, a lot of folks from the camp ended up going on to start the disability rights movement. And it was mm -hmm. the relationships between the kids at the camp that built the foundation on which this uh, movement was started. And so Crip Camp is a film, not just about the camp, but it's about how the relationships that were built at this camp went on to change the whole world um, and resulted in things like 
the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, which is massive. Um, so I don't know how this happened, but by the grace of God, I got to spend this last year um, doing a lot of administrative work for um, the directors of Crip Camp. Pretty much I answered all the emails that were from anywhere in the world about Crip Camp um, and how to stream it and how to get access to it. And um, I agreed to do this before Crip Camp got nominated for an Oscar. I do want to bring it back to ministry, though, because I, I think what Crip Camp did was it um, was radically welcoming to people of everybody. Um, mm. it, didn't, it doesn't matter which disability you have, how your body was messing with your brain that day, or what meds you were on, or what your ability to swim was or, or walk was or hear was that the, um, the engagement was just, it was an expectation that you would be included regardless. And everyone had the, the um, right to talk and to be who they were in that space. And I think we can learn a lot as a church by emanating and mirroring that kind of welcome um, rather than questioning whether people deserve to be anywhere. Just don't ask that question. Of course, people deserve to be places and to be included. And um, is that not our mission as the church? Thank you. Oh, gosh, this is so rich, but I, I want to I want to be realistic about the time. And um, so I'd love to shift gears again. And I suspect it's possible that some of these themes may may cycle back again. Um, and I, I'd like to think of this next section of the interview as a kind of like lightning round, um, you know, where... Um, uh, you know, in a in a in a brief way, we explore um, a couple of uh, a couple of these uh, uh, these questions about about your uh, uh, your time and your hopes at CDSP. So, um, to start, I just would uh, love to hear more about what interested you in in studying with us at CDSP. Many things. So, I will first off start with um, we just talk, talked about Crip Camp, but both of the directors of of Crip Camp and the producer and a lot of the people in the film um, who were at Crip Camp also live in the Bay. Um, mm. And so that was being, being a witness to and being able to make community with those people in person was a really big draw. Yeah. Outside of that, um, when I got postulancy in January of this year, um, I knew that I was going to need to go to get an MDiv. And being from the South, I knew a bit of the landscape of um, seminaries that were going to be options for me. And I looked at all of their websites and I said, 
Church Divinity School of the Pacific has the most accessible financial aid information and has the most um, appropriate gendered language on the website. Um, mm. And I, I can't emphasize enough that it was really seeing that they already use words like spouses and partners or spouses slash partners or asked for pronouns on forms. And um, there were, there are some language things that were clear signs that I wasn't going to be the only queer or trans person at the school. Not only that I wouldn't be the only one, that I wouldn't be the first. And I am just, I have been the first for a lot of spaces. And I really, I was speaking to a friend of mine who um, is a priest and she, she said, Weston, you deserve to go to a place where you're going to be nurtured as exactly who you are and you don't have to work so hard. Um, because I wanted to learn. And so when it really came down to it, I only applied to CDSP. Um, I knew in my bones, really, that this was where I was supposed to go. Um, I'd never been to the Bay before we drove in <laughs> with, with the U-Haul and the cats. Um, so, so really, a, really a leap of faith, but it's not the first mm. time I've gone somewhere for a big thing that I didn't know was coming. And yeah, um, yeah those, are, those are really the major reasons. Great. So next up, I'd love to hear more about, um, uh, you know, I, I know lots of things can change in seminary, but uh, for the time being, uh, where you are now, um, uh, how are you hoping uh, to serve uh, now and in the future? What are you hoping that your um, that your MDiv at CDSP is going to um, equip you to, to do in the church and in the world? There's a lot there. Um, firstly, I'll talk now. Um, CDSP is on what we call Holy Hill. It is, it is not accessible. <laughs> it is not an accessible campus. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think and I know from both personal experience and from anecdotal evidence that um, I'm not the first person to notice this. And I am, I know that there have been people excluded from the education mm. at CDSP for the sole reason that it is not an accessible place. Mm -hmm. um, so I would really love to up CDSP's game. I would love mm -hmm. to help the, I would love to help Trinity and CDSP figure out what they need to figure out in order to do that. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I think I can see that CDSP is on the cutting edge of many theological conversations. Yeah. So it's, it's important 
for us, this is where I was going. Start again. So the Episcopal Church, as we know, is an aging population. So in a lot of ways, that makes, like, everyone will become disabled at some point. It, it, whether or not we call it that is one thing, but that's just the truth of being alive in bodies. Um, mm -hmm. Secondly, there is tremendous potential um, in growth in the church by making spaces where people's embodiment isn't a barrier to participation. And I've seen that play out in really interesting ways in COVID um, mm. with virtual worship options and virtual communities. Um, I know that a lot of people are really tired of Zoom and it's a really accessible option and it's a really, if you are doing liturgy well, and if you're doing community building well, it is not a problem to not be in person. Yes, sacramentally, there are some problems there and that's not exactly what I'm talking about. But um, I think that people sometimes try to hide behind the not being in person thing as a way to say like, I'm not engaging with the community because we're not in person. When the reality is a lot of people who are disabled don't get the option of engaging in in-person community and being online is the accessible thing. And to minimize that form of communication is really ableist. Yeah. Anything else you, uh, anything else you want to say about what you're, what you're hoping this uh, time at CDSP will launch you uh, launch you toward? I mean, I'd love to be a priest. <laughs> I'm a postulant, um, which is a huge step. But um, my dream is to run and potentially ecumenical, but also potentially Episcopal, I don't really know how it would come about, but a um, community church that was based out of a greenhouse um, and like grow plants <laughs> together, mm. <laughs> have like mm. a stained glass greenhouse where we do worship and mm. mutual aid and, and have delicious food and wonderful growing things um, that would be accessible for as many people as is possible. Um, that's a dream. Um, I also am really interested in death justice um, mm. and working with um, not necessarily in hospice because I think that there are some uh, some connotations about hospice that I want to stay away from, but just dying people in general and the way that we do and don't pay attention to people when they are dying and who gets what access to resources, who is, mm. who is in the nursing homes that are too full, that have no money, that don't have space. And um, 
how can we bring dignity into the end slash beginning of whatever death is? Um, I'm excited to see how CDSP um, continues to form me in that way. Hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you. It's uh, I'm going to bask in the image of uh, of a stained glass greenhouse for the rest of the day. <laughs> that's a beautiful. Um, that's a beautiful. Um, uh, posture, I think, to want to uh, have to um, to community and to ministry. Thank you. Well, Weston, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak with us. Welcome to CDSP. Uh, have a good rest of your first week of uh, of uh, seminary classes, and uh, we are uh, really grateful to get to uh, share your story and the story of uh, other CDSP students um, with the larger CDSP community uh, in the coming days. So thank you. Great, thanks. And if you'd like to learn more about Weston, Weston Morris's ministry, uh, you can check out welcomingeverybody.com. Crossings Conversations is a co-production of Church Divinity School of the Pacific and Trinity Church Wall Street. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or share it with a colleague. You can learn more about the only Episcopal seminary on the West Coast and subscribe to Crossings Magazine at cdsp.edu. Thank you.